This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bite, hosted by superfan and actual know-it-all Kyle Armstrong on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bite Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong. This week, we're going to get on the phone lines and we're going to talk to Jonathan Davenport, Superman, and pick his brain a little bit about what he's got going on this season and maybe get him to tell some stories of of some of his past uh, racing career. Uh, That should be fun. Looking forward to that. We're going to call him up just in a few minutes. But before we do that, uh, we had a race this weekend down at Modoc Speedway in Modoc, South Carolina, the Extreme Dirt Car Series finale. Uh, Brandon Overton picked up the win down there. It was a really exciting race. Overton and Bales battled it out there toward the end, and it was uh, it was really exciting. Uh, yeah, Bales finished second. Dustin Mitchell was third. Hudson O'Neill, on his debut in the Extreme Dirt Car Series, finished fourth with Kyle Strickler rounding out the top five. Chris Madden picked up the points championship, finishing right behind Kyle Strickler there. Um, so, so that went on this weekend. Then also they had the uh, they had the race done at Fayetteville. I watched a little bit of that on Saturday night. I didn't keep up with all of it. Uh, honestly and uh, Saturday night was a really pretty good show uh, cheeseburger Brian Mullis had a pretty good lead there and checked out and uh, and he got kind of kind of washed up the track on a restart there late in the going with Willie Milliken and it was uh, it was really kind of an exciting race the way that panned out and Willie Milliken you would have thought he was going to win but then he slipped back and faded and so Dalton Jacobs wound up winning the 602 crate late model feature down at Fayetteville over Andrew Durham, Willie Milliken, Timmy Mills, and Justin Mintz were the top five. Uh, Brian Cheeseburger Mullis slipped back and finished 13th. I heard he uh, broke a steering rack, which is really a bummer. You know, he was leading it until about seven to go there. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll get them next time. So anyway, Cheeseburger, tough break for him. Also this weekend, Carolina Speedway was going to have a Blue Ridge Outlaw Late Model Series season opener, and uh, they had a packed house down there. Uh, I was going to try to go. I went down there and uh, couldn't get in the parking lot. wasn't a place to park, uh, so I turned around and went back to the house. But uh, but they, uh, it's probably a good thing I didn't anyway because they w- did the four wide salute. Fog set in. They got double file, took the one to go, and then they came over to receiver and told the guys. Uh, you know, we can't see the backstretch. It's too foggy. We're going to sit this out a little bit. And uh, wound up the fog set in and got worse. And they just went ahead and postponed the evening. So they'll make that up at a later date. It hasn't been scheduled yet as far as I know. Uh, as soon as we know something about that, we'll uh, we'll try to report it to you. So that's uh, that's pretty much what we've got from this weekend. It was uh, kind of a kind of a slow week. But, man, we're picking up. Picking up steam next weekend, the World of Outlaws will be back in action at Smoky Mountain Speedway in Maryville, Tennessee for a 12,000-to-win show on Saturday night. I look for that one to be a, uh, a star-studded field because Lucas is off this week and everybody's kind of had a couple of weeks to kind of gather their thoughts from uh, Florida. So I think the World of Outlaws is going to have a heck of a good uh, car count and turnout, as they always do there in the East Tennessee world of outlaws at smoky mountain so that should be a good one to keep your eyes on this weekend and then also sunday afternoon cherokee speedway to southern all-stars will be in action for the march madness event Ten thousand to win super late models there that day and a lot of a lot of good support classes in action there as well so that would be a good one to check out i'll probably try to make it to uh, one or the other maybe both of those this weekend but we'll see how uh, how the weather looks and all that kind of stuff yet to, but uh but looking forward to it regardless uh you know, the racing season's kicking off and then, 
you know, it's not going to be long and we'll be at Bristol for the uh, 50,000 to win super late model Bristol Dirt Nationals event. And that's one that uh, the entire sport's got their eyes on up and down all around. So uh, that'll be interesting. Kyle Busch actually has just entered that event. He's going to drive Jonathan Davenport's backup car. And we're going to talk to Jonathan Davenport here on the Forward Bike Podcast and see what he thinks about that. Uh, Jonathan and Kyle Busch actually had a history together whenever they were teenagers. They raced legend cars together. And I'm not sure a lot of people really realize that. Uh, Kevin Kovac reported it on DirtOnDirt.com and kind of put it in there and kind of stole kind of stole what I was going to talk about. And uh, then, you know, so... So we'll, we're going to still ask him about it and get his thoughts. And uh, just stay tuned. Coming up on the Forward Bike Podcast, we'll talk to Jonathan Davenport. Joining us on the phone lines tonight on the Forward Bike Podcast here on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, we've got Jonathan Davenport. Jonathan, what's going on, man? Oh, not a whole lot. Just uh, got done hanging from the rafters trying to uh, redo my old barn. Uh, we just bought a farm over here in Belton, South Carolina, and just been doing a little maintenance on it. While it's feeding the cattle, I can see out in the field, just having a good old time. That sounds like fun. I saw yesterday you were down there cleaning up, and you found an alligator head. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, kind of odd. We uh, we found out the story on it. Uh, it was actually an alligator that was in one of the lower ponds that we got. And uh, I guess it was uh, from Anderson Jockey Lot or something. Somebody obviously turned it loose down here, and uh, they ended up <laughs> shooting it. And so the the guy that lived up in in the main house, he uh, cooked the tail of it, and uh, I, I guess he he left the head out to uh, for all the skin to rot off of it, so he could have the skull. And I just happened to find it. Yeah, yeah, you can probably sell that thing at the flea market. <laughs> no doubt put it on the merch trailer and autograph it i bet it'll sell i'm just gonna have it it's gonna be a conversation <laughs> piece down here in the barn perfect well man before we get into all the serious stuff i want to uh well this is pretty serious uh did you get to do any deer hunting this uh, off season i got to do a little bit um it's kind of it went just about as good as my 2020 season uh racing season my, my deer hunting was about the same so i didn't i actually didn't kill anything i probably had a chance to kill a few does but just never did pull the trigger or uh let the arrow fly so uh, we'll try to do a little better next year yeah 10-4 maybe uh maybe that new property you've got down there you'll uh you'll have it equipped and ready to go for some hunting possibly yeah maybe so i, I got to hunt on a few times there at the very end late season and i got to see a few but didn't see nothing that I pull the trigger on. I'm going to let them go to you. Well, so, sounds like you may uh, have a gator that you're going to have to uh, <laughs> have some gators you could probably hunt down there, too. <laughs> nah, I think that was a one and done. There, we're, we're definitely uh, not gator country right here. I can't even Good. believe it survived as long as it did. But um, I don't think I'll get another crack at one of them here to Let's hope not. Yeah, for all the listeners tuning tuning in, uh, I forgot to mention and introduce, but we've got Jeremy Taylor joining us <laughs> joining us on the podcast this evening. He uh, does the uh, what's that show you've got called <laughs> In the Garage with Jeremy Taylor, go. my man. And uh, so I told him, I said, "Man, stick around. We're going to talk to Jonathan here." And and uh, so he stuck around with us tonight, and uh, I'm glad to have him. Yeah, yeah no doubt. While we're doing in the barn, that's right. Well, man. Uh, 
Blairsville, Georgia is your hometown. You kind of you grew up down there, and uh, I just wonder how you got your actually how you got your start. I know I've seen pictures, but the but the seems like the story's kind of a little cloudy sometimes. I see some pictures of you in like a pinto four cylinder, and and then I remember watching you grow or whenever I was growing up, you were uh, racing those legend cars up here at Charlotte, and uh, you know I saw you racing on racing there a lot too. So where did it begin? And I know your dad raced too, so. Yeah, well, it probably began with my dad. I always went to the racetrack with him, and my grandpa is on my mom's side's own race cars for years and years. And uh, I guess I, I mean, you you probably remember his name, but not many people do. But Johnny Trice, he actually opened up a go kart track there in Blairsville. Uh, I was maybe turning seven, somewhere right in there, and he uh, he opened it up, and we went the first weekend. So the next weekend he bought me an old go-kart and we stuck it together and uh, I went up there and uh, had me old Biffy uh, helmet because I, I wanted one of those Simpson helmets that, that come up in the middle where it covered your nose. I always thought that looked cool. A but, back. Uh, he, he found me this old Biffy helmet that, uh, that kind of looked like that, but it was a snowmobile helmet. And so we went out there and we somehow lucked up one our first race. And it's uh, kind of been on from there, and then we just uh, progressed from from go karts. I uh, started running four cylinder when I was ten there at Tri County, and uh, I actually dabbled in a late model, a limited late model, a little bit when I was twelve. But at that time, nobody would really let let me race after they figured out it was me and not my dad racing. So we went to legend cars from there. Yeah, and I can remember you racing those legend cars. We went over there, and I, and see, I've got family down there in Georgia, Hiawassee, Georgia area, and Blairsville too. So uh, naturally, whenever we found out you were from that area, we've kept up with you ever since, and everything. And uh, but yeah, I remember you running those legends, and and you know, uh, you've got Kyle Bush racing your backup car here coming up at Bristol, and I know that's kind of a little bit ahead of the schedule here, but you and him raced those cars a little bit back in those days and now full circle here y'all are teaming up here in a couple of weeks yeah it was kind of cool we actually talked about that me me and him talked about uh, me driving a truck for him and eldora back i guess last year year before last and it just didn't quite work out but we had the conversation of me coming out to las vegas and uh, uh how all that happened but yeah we only raced against uh, each other one time but in, in legend cars you know i, ra- I raced against reed sorenson david reagan uh a few more of the cup guys that, that are there now but just uh we, we, once we went past the legend cars uh, the money and expense got got so big that i just never was able to keep up with it never be on get to move on to the next step in the asphalt world yeah, you did run about one season of asphalt late models. You kind of went all over the uh, all over the Midwest and the Southeast racing those. And you know, I don't know if a lot of people really know that or not either. Yeah, well, I actually I actually moved on to uh, a, a regular um, offset late model and ran it in the Southeast. And then when ASA was sold to Steve Dale, we ran that for one year. It, it was called ASL Series. And we ran it for about a half a season. And we ran, like you said, all through the Midwest. And it finally went belly up. So we only probably got six races in. So we ran that year. 10 4. 
Well, I can remember uh, the first time I saw you in a late model. We were down there at Tri County Speed Tri County Racetrack in Brastown, North Carolina, and you had a. Uh, I've still got a picture of it from about 2002. Uh, you had a clear Lexan smoked roof on that thing, and I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, and I still ain't seen one since that. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. Uh, a, a guy that worked for my grandpa, he, he done bodies, and he thought that was a pretty cool deal. So um, many years later, I, obviously you didn't see it, but I, I built one to go on a, a Bloomquist car that I had, and I think I was in 2013. We, I had Lexan uh, sail panels and everything. It definitely was pretty neat. Yeah, I don't know if I remember that or not. I'd have to see, have to dig a picture up of that. But, uh, but yeah, you, uh, so I had, uh, Brownie Brown on my podcast here a few months ago. I don't know if you may have seen that, but, uh, but he kind of, he kind of told a little bit of the story about getting you hooked up with CJ Rayburn and you and CJ got together and built a car, spent about two weeks working on it. How, how was that deal working with CJ? <laughs> oh, see, we, we could talk about that forever working with CJ, especially for the first time. Um, no, that he, uh, he definitely, uh, rided my ship for sure. We was just, uh, we was running an old GR2 car. It was a, a 97 model and this was 2003 or four, somewhere in that area. And, uh, I just happened to, happened to sail it in, in the motor and I got me a little cash. And so I, I talked to Brownie about what I should do and, uh, he told me uh, he, he was going to call Rayburn, so he called Rayburn for me, and Ray, Rayburn came me, and we talked a little bit and asked me what kind of trailer I had, what kind of trailer, just to make sure I could get to the rest of just come on up there, and I, I told him the amount of money I had, so it was actually one of Justin Algar's old cars, and he started coming by, and he would look, throw this part down, throw this part down, and put on there, and eventually when I left there, we just about brand new race car with a used chassis and uh done it for just pennies on the dollar and man that was it everybody around my area definitely laughed at me when i come back with a rayburn but man it, it wasn't very long we started winning races and it probably half the field within two years was a rayburn around the uh, north georgia east tennessee area well then you had uh I remember, uh, I think it was, you know, maybe, uh, this is probably about 2007. I did a short stint working down with uh, Shane Tankersley at Rayburn South. So, I mean, that, 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 uh, that, yeah, Rayburn's became kind of popular down there. I know, uh, they used to run Barry Wrights, which you used to run some Barry Wright race cars as well. Uh, but now you're running a Longhorn chassis. So, I mean, are you still doing like a, a swing arm style chassis or are you, are you in, in a four link? No, nah, I'm I'm in four link now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I wish the old swing arm stuff would still work, but I, I as much as shocks is progressed, uh, you know that that's yeah. where Rayburn, I, I believe, was up on the competition at that at that point, going through the holes and things like that. And we was on soft tires. Now, well, we don't have really any soft tires anymore. So, yeah. you know, it's just a. I, I believe the four link is definitely the more dominant kind of rear suspension kind of there's a few guys make the swing arm stuff work now but it's very few and far between so what's it like uh is it because uh, i know the longhorns that was started with the labani brothers is that is that still kind of their thing yeah yeah uh terry still owns it uh, mm -hmm. justin terry's son runs yeah. it and bobby was never really that involved with the chassis side of it but he owned uh, earl pearson's car 
Yeah. So, so, uh, Bobby on the car, Terry on the chassis side of it. And that's pretty much how it is today after Bobby sold out. So what's the, you know, for the guy, see, I'm the tech guy over here with my, with my segment in the garage. So I always have to ask kind of tech questions like that. What's, you know, what's the transition for the people out there that are listening that have never got behind the wheel of one of these cars? What's that transition like going from a swing arm style car or over to a four link style chassis? <laughs> well, it just depends on which one you like better, but it could be going from driving a Chevette to a Corvette. Right. You, a Corvette to a you know, it could yeah. be the way. I mean, they just drive totally different. Or you could drive a, a you know, just a small little sports car to a to a big dually. They, they just, mm-hmm. that's just how much difference it is in the two. Yeah, and you just got a lot more adjustment and, and or adjustability in a, in a four-link style car than what you have with a, with a sway bar or a swing arm car, right? Well, not just necessarily that. I mean, you can drill as many holes as you want to to yeah. move stuff. But you know, we uh, we we, tr- we I think there was a time there we everybody tried to get a little wild with it, but now we're trying mm-hmm. to simplify everything. And now we're just mainly working on shocks and springs, and we move and instead of moving a, a bar two inches like we used to back five years ago. Now we're moving it, you know, half holes to a half inch. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing how many adjustments are on these cars. I don't even think I'd want to begin to uh, try to set one up, knowing what I know. Yeah, which ain't much. But, <clears throat> but yeah, man. So, uh, so yeah, you guys got that Rayburn car together, and then, uh, then I can I can remember one of the first times I saw you run it was uh, I think you showed up at the Colossal One Hundred there at Charlotte. Uh, silver car had Young Blood concrete on the side. And uh, what do you remember about some of those races? Some of them days. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I remember that race uh, pretty good. We, me uh, and Cheryl, they bought me my first four brand new wheels I ever had. And uh, I don't know if that was the first four new tires, but it was pr- probably it, probably that. So, And they, they had a deal through American Racers, so we went up here on American Racers, and I had a – I had a I had a buddy that helped me out with a motor, Bobby Davis, which really just helped me out along the whole time with that Rayburn car. I had one of Shane's old uh, Race Tech three eighty eight motors, so I probably had the smallest motor in the field. But we actually led a heat race all the way to the last probably two laps, and we actually uh, broke up. What did we? A pull bar. We we broke a pull bar. Anyway, we were in second. And I just remember that was the first time I actually got to cover my car. Like we had like this plastic tarp. It, was, it wasn't even anything like a car cover. And everybody would come by and look at her car because like it, we was a nobody. Mm-hmm. And we'd come there and qualify good and almost won a heat. But then it was one of those deals in the feature that was uh, back when if you brought out a caution, you couldn't come back on the racetrack, so we rolled a left or the wheel off. We was running, I think, fourth or fifth at the time. Or, I'm sorry, a tire, you know, because we didn't have inner bead locks at that time. And we didn't get to come back on. So I, I just remember being definitely upset about not getting the race and because it was a race. It was so rough that night. Yeah, I remember that. It seemed like it rained all day. Uh, and I remember that. I've got a picture of that car sitting there on jack stands with that car cover on it that you mentioned. <laughs> okay that's cool. what's neat yeah. about it I'll send I, I it think to it you. was like just a piece of plastic we rolled yeah. up or folded up two or three times and stuck on there yeah it seemed like it was a tarp or something it was kind of tacky but yeah I got a picture of that somewhere I'll have to send it to you it was since, oh, since it, you brought it up so. it was real red at that time for sure <laughs> 
Yeah, Brownie, you talked about Brownie buying you some wheels. He told real quick, he told me a story about uh, about you going to Cleveland and he told you them were qualifying wheels and you uh you went ahead and ignored was ignored his uh orders there and you put them on a race with him and you broke them off in the race from what he told me. <laughs> Shit, there ain't no telling. I probably so, you know. I know it's, it's a lot of the races, ones I had. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. It, if those were new qualifying wheels, they was probably way better than, than the jump race wheels I had. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jonathan, we'll take a quick break and we'll come right back and uh, talk to you some more, man. All right, sounds good. We're back on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. This is the Forward Bike Podcast. I believe, Jeremy, you had a question for him, didn't you? Yeah, so just before we went to break there, Jonathan, you mentioned Cleveland Speedway. And uh, that's, uh, I'm an East Tennessee kid, so... You know, Murphy, or well, now it's I-75 Raceway, I think now. It was used to be Murphy Speedway. But uh, Cleveland Speedway was the first place I ever drove a dirt late model. It was a crate late model that Monty Morrow owned that used to own the Speedway there. And it doesn't exist anymore. And then I read last week that uh, another East Tennessee racetrack, that uh, Bulls Gap, uh, is is for sale now so i'm like i'm I'm kind of worried about the state of racing over there in east tennessee where i'm from and you know what, what do you think about some of these tracks that are that are going away and you know i grew up going to atomic and and that that track doesn't exist anymore either so you know what do you think about some of these racetracks that are going away and then you have you know big racetracks like bristol that are throwing dirt down on them and and bringing a whole bunch of cars in well i hope we ain't seeing a pattern there because atomic different close to the interstate Mm -hmm. and um, so is bulls gap so i don't know uh you know but both of those places i got to go to and uh they was a little bit flatter definitely not flat but cleveland was one of my favorite racetracks when i was Mm -hmm. growing up and i got started in in, uh limiteds and late models you know if you if you thought you were somebody you had to go to cleveland Mm because that's where all the real competition was you know of course, owner local level, you know, that the hot shoes would come in there. And that's the first place I remember seeing Dwayne Hommel race and guys like that. But, uh, that, you know, we, we always, myself called it the high banks there at Cleveland. So that's the place (laughs) where I really cut my teeth out that I really thought that I ventured out, which was only an hour and a half in the house. But Mm -hmm. if, uh, if you had your shit together, you'd travel there. Oh yeah. See how you'd measure up. Yeah, for sure. I think the the first time I ever went there was uh, the Joe Lee Johnson Memorial down there, and uh, uh, Ken Schrader was down there, and you had Chris Madden and some other guys that were, you know, some of the hot shoes in the southeast that were that were down there running. And uh, I mean, that, I just fell in love with that place, and I hate that, that one's hate that, that one's gone. And then you know, I grew up racing next door to Atomic at I forty Motocross when I was a little kid, and uh, I think I caught you know uh, right before Dwayne Hommel got injured there I, I saw him race maybe once or twice but uh yeah i, I missed uh miss not being able to go to atomic on a on a friday or saturday night you know man, man yeah I, I could imagine the wayne hobble how great was he i mean we get he gets brought up on about every almost every one of these episodes we've done mm-hmm. so far he was just he was a legend before his time and I, I hate that his career got cut short yeah no doubt I, I never really got to know him or anything like that but you know like i said i just got to see him a few times there at cleveland and he would come there and just, I mean, I think he won almost every time he was there. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, uh, it, it was just almost an idol there that you seen him growing up because he, he, he was a new name, but yeah, he was so good so fast. And uh, I was just coming in to the dirt world because I really, I mean, I was older. I was in probably late teens, early twenties, but I just 
completely focused on asphalt so much. I didn't even care uh, about anything dirt. And uh, but he he was definitely definitely good. And uh, it, it's a shame that happened to him because uh, there ain't you no know, telling what, what he could have done by now. Yeah, no doubt for sure. Um, well, I was gonna I wanted to bring up a. Uh, there in about 2010 or 11, I can't remember which, but you drove for Clint Boyer Motorsports there uh, for a stint, and I believe it lasted maybe a year or two. The Georgia Boots ride, and you know it seemed like a neat deal at the time. And uh, uh, but then later on, you mentioned uh, at the 2015 Lucas Oil Banquet that Clint Boyer kind of told you at the time that that you weren't ready to run a series. And I remember you kind of throwing dirt on him at that time, and I just wondered uh, wondered if there was more to that story. <laughs> that was in 2012 i had actually just left uh i was driving for barry right we had, we had, had one of the worst first of the seasons we'd ever had but then had the best late season we ever had we probably won 15 out of the last 18 races and uh, so anyway uh i went to clint's and you know of course we got promised the world and I was to look for another ride again as long as he was in the cup car and I just, uh, at the end of the year, had had my son, and uh, we'd moved off, and I got her own place, and moved moved out as a hospitality head. And it, I just come in one day, and I was pulling him out of the cars, and he called me into the office, and he just told me that uh, that he, he thought I was a very good regional driver. And just didn't think I had what it what it took to uh, run a national tour. That that's what he always wanted to do, and he didn't know if he could do it. So I was just a little uh, fuel for my fire, and I just wanted to, to thank him for telling me that. Yeah, oh, I definitely think that motivated you to to do all that you've done since. And uh, I mean, you've you've uh, now you've uh, won three of those Lucas Oil Championships, and I'm not sure. I think maybe his team's won one so far. You know, since then, so. So yeah, it's uh yeah I think I think there was a little bit of motivation for you and uh, hell I, I think he uh, I think it worked out for the better, don't you? Yeah, no, I mean I think uh, I mean three championships is not bad for a guy that can't run a a big series <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, you, you know how it goes. You know we oh, just yeah. uh, we started off really good there at Clint's, and then it, you know you just gotta have the right people in the right places, and, and it got to where me and Jared both were teammates, and we actually got limited on one car. Like we only could take one car to the races, you know. And once you start running bad, and you get in the back, you start getting in wrecks. You know, it just all snowballs for the worse, not for the better, and they just couldn't see the light at the tunnel. And, and uh so that's just the way it went and like you said it's better off for both of us yeah i agree i think it's neat that you've got the experience and the story to tell at this point well uh yeah that 2015 season was just unreal man you and kevin rumley teamed up actually y'all were uh you team y'all were uh together in 2014 as well but uh 2015 was definitely the year that was probably i think arguably probably the best year any team's ever had in dirt late model racing and you were a big part of that i mean you you picked up the dream the world 100 uh, a bunch of other crown jewels i don't have them in front of me right now but man you guys just kicked ass that year and uh uh, I thought that was fun. I thought that was fun to see. I was glad to be at a lot of those races too that you won. Yeah, it was definitely awesome, especially the way we did it with uh, with Leroy being there, and we, you know, um, we built our own shocks, we built our own motors. Uh, Kevin designed the car, 
and the building at Longhorn so it wasn't like we was a factory supported car like the rocket house car now we actually done everything kevin had a full-time job leroy um i believe it just retired at that time and it, it like we we shouldn't have won it and if we would have had the resources that we could have had now there, there's no telling that we might not have lost a race there was a couple of times that we our motors was completely lapped out and that's that's the reason one would blow up or we would have a failure but it was uh it was a phenomenal season and uh it was all just a bunch of old buddies that that went and went and raced on, on a national level that shouldn't have been there well i think that's what i think that's really what made it so special and what makes it stand out so much was you know that may be the last time you'll ever see that happen in the in the sport the way it's grown just since and that's just five years ago but just since then uh you know, I think uh, I think it's on another level already. Yeah, I appreciate that. Definitely, you know, like our truck just barely made it to the end. Uh, you know, yeah. it had many, many miles on. We really had it forever, and we actually it blowed up going to the last race, and so wow. we didn't even go to Gaffney. We there was probably four or five races at the end of the year that we missed that we probably could have went to and made even more money, and then we decided to wait, and we actually hired a record to pull the trailer to charlotte so we was we was at charlotte without a truck all i had was a trailer and we plugged up the mason ziegler's truck man that's a that's wanting to do it bad right there but um but what did uh we recently lost leroy rumley here and i know he meant a lot to you if you could uh touch on that just a little bit and just uh you know what did he mean to you man he uh just a great person in general you know i was always scared of the stories everybody used to tell me about leroy but he was a uh, once you got to know him he was the most kind-hearted soul he was you know he i i just remember him playing with my son and you know him and gaynell just t- take me in like, like another son myself i would go up there and uh they'd be you know cooking lunch and, and dinner gaynell would and i i know i know one thing that like whenever the races was over that that next day you got paid it matter if they got paid yet or not Gaynell went ahead and sent you a check it was just a just an awesome family for sure yeah he had a lot of good wisdom to pass along too i'm sure yeah man we we, we would probably have to do three or four podcasts to tell you, <laughs> tell you all the stories about leroy but uh it, it was not I, I don't think that I could say one bad thing about about the man. We we never had a cross word or anything. Well, man, you're uh, you're welcome back on the show anytime. I mean, but uh, but you know, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. I guess uh, I guess we'll talk about what you've got going on this year. Uh, you started off in Arizona this year, and you really haven't. Uh, I don't know if you've done that maybe one other time or something, but you went out there and and darn near won the won the whole deal with the. Uh, $250,000 bonus they had on the line. You picked up three of those wins and the biggest one at the end of the week there and didn't finish worse than third the whole time you were out there. So, man, that was a good run in Arizona. What would you think about that place this year? Uh, it was actually pretty good. It was the first time I'd been to that place. Me and Kevin right after went to uh, Arizona in 2016 to kind of finish up the season to the, in in that year. But, no, we actually ran really good, which I feel like we was in contention to win almost every night. I probably give up two of them myself. And uh, I felt like, you know, like I said, our, our program was really, really good. 
Yeah, then you uh, then you guys went to Florida, and I guess by a lot of people are saying you guys struggled, but uh, I mean maybe you did by your you know your typical standards, but you did get to pick up one win while you were in Florida. No, we did struggle there. Ain't no doubt about it. And the, the weird thing was that you know we ran the same car that we had run out there and thought was really good, really really good. But we just uh, we we got back and just found a a few things that that we overlooked and was wrong with it so we we unloaded our second car finally at the end of the week at Eastman and up running second there and should have won the first night at uh ocala but um i just went with just one of those weird deals that we had a brake issue and i locked up the rear brakes and then um should have won that night then the next night i just missed the qualifying and we come from way in the back and uh, towards the front of the feature so our, our cars are really good we just uh did, just missed a few things there that the first of the week at uh east bay yeah i misspoke there i forgot that you or i thought that you'd won but it was like that uh from what i remember that second place finish you have was almost like a win i guess comparatively oh yeah no no so well yeah you've got uh so this weekend you're planning on going to smoky mountain running with the world of outlaws and then cherokee speedway too i guess with the southern all-stars and uh you know what's your outlook on those two shows uh well just uh trying to get back in the groove you know we've been off for a half now almost i guess it's uh we didn't go to volusia or any of that stuff so just uh, we're, we got a new motor combination we're trying out and uh you know just trying to maybe test some things for bristol we got a we got a big race start coming up with uh we're excited about our opportunity with Kansas being yeah. a teammate he's coming to court so uh yeah, we're, we're definitely excited about the next couple of weeks coming up. How did that kind of happen, uh, uh, you know, getting geared up or getting teamed up with Kyle Busch there to run that Bristol race? I, I know that just didn't just come out of the sky. Uh, well, I, I really don't know how it happened to be exactly, but I know that Kyle had, had talked to Mark Martin and uh, told him that, that he was wanting to um, – to, to run that race so i said hey i'll, I'll call him because i'd already talked to him previous about running a truck so i give him a shout and we talk back and forth and text back and forth and try to put a deal together and finally got something finalized and uh you know we, we've got a really good race car for him to race and it, it's gonna be awesome because he's a he's a you know, so maybe he can he, he can help me a little bit yeah, it's interesting to see a lot of these NASCAR Cup guys coming to uh, run a dirt lake model on that deal. I know Cole Custer is too, and a couple, maybe a couple Kyle other Larson. ones I'm missing. Kyle, Kyle Larson is going to be there. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Larson will be taking your old ride around there. He'll be a yeah. threat. What do you think yeah, about yeah, Kyle yeah. Larson running these dirt lake models? You know, he's coming in there and, uh, you know, with no experience really in a dirt lake model car and kind of, kind of stepping on the, stepping on everybody's toes in a way, I think. Nah, he he's just uh, one hell of God-given talent. It's uh, that's all I can say. He he's very good. I, I told him when he first came to Longhorn, the first time I talked to him, I said, "You don't need to come over here and be taking all of our money. You know, you just need to stay on the sprint side, and uh, you know, you're you you're, you're bread off my table." But uh, I just just having fun with him. But he's definitely really good, and uh, he don't ask many questions. He's asked me a few, and. Uh, you know, he just he just listens and, and takes it uh, with a grain of salt, and he goes off with it. And he's just uh, he's just good. Ain't, ain't no doubt about it. Can't take nothing away from him. 
Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch you guys compete up there at Bristol. I look forward to that. I'll be there. I'm looking forward to going this weekend to Smoky Mountain and Cherokee. Um, but uh, uh, maybe one more, a couple more things here I've got for you. I wanted to ask you about, uh, so the Castrol Flow Night in America series that's coming out that Michael Rigsby and them guys kind of put together. Uh, they're paying 20000 to win up at 411 Speedway in a couple of weeks on a Thursday night. I wonder if you uh, have that on your radar, looking to go to that possibly. Yeah, more than likely. We'll probably try to hit a few of those races. And, you know, with this Bristol deal coming up, we don't know exactly what our schedule is going to be. Everything is definitely 100% tentative right now. So we'll uh, just take it how it comes. And like I told Kovac, we're, we're just going to see what kind of hand we get dealt, and we're going to play it the best way we can. Yeah, that uh, and, yeah, and that Kovac article the other day was really good and informative. And, uh, you know, I probably asked a lot of the same questions that were in that. But, yeah, he did a great job on that, too. That was pretty good. Yeah, Kevin's a great writer. He, he, always, he always does a great job. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jonathan, man, uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back on here sometime because I've got a – got another list of questions here i didn't even get the chance to ask you and i don't want to hold you up too long tonight but man i thank you for your time and good luck this weekend and good luck this season and thanks for joining us and uh hopefully like i said we'll do it again sometime man it, it was definitely awesome being a great job and uh well thank you man we appreciate it good luck this weekend Another episode of the Forward Bike Podcast is in the books for this week on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong. For Jeremy Taylor, we'll see you next week.